Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 270. My name is Brando. Another episode you can watch on our YouTube channel, uh, Zoom. It's amazing everybody and their mother since the pandemic is uh, knows how to use Zoom. But it's been fun. You got to meet people as opposed to just on the phone. So uh, joining me today, I haven't seen his face in a while. Maddie B, uh, who go. you may remember, Maddie, he, you were my co-host with uh, Laura Jane Grace. Grace. Yeah. Against me. Yep. How you and, doing, uh, buddy? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, since we last spoke, I am now a father. Daddy so B. I've got that going. Daddy B. Yep. Daddy B in full effect. Uh, so he's getting big. He's not sleeping, but that's okay. That's, that's, that's my problem. Not yours. <laughs> Mazel tov. And thank you. I appreciate it. And, and, and I haven't had a chance yeah. to give you an official congratulations on getting engaged, Brando. So I want to oh. say congratulations to you on that, sir. Thank Looking you. forward to that invite. Okay. I remember cause uh, I'm a New Yorker and don't worry, Mistress Carrie, we'll uh, introduce you too. Cause we, Maddie, we're roommates and I went to his wedding, but I remember, I was still on Long Island at the time. And he's like, you're coming. You're coming to Boston for my wedding. You have no excuse. You better be here. Yep. So I had no you excuse. Yeah. So well done. And uh, Maddie from uh, Cape Cod's Rock, Pixie 103. Oh, yeah. I took the, uh, you didn't give me the opportunity to do video last time. So I'm like free plug, free plug, you know. So Pixie in Cape Cod is where I started my on-air career at. I mean, I started it in college and on Long Island with a metal show, but I moved up to Massachusetts. I was a mass hole for two years. I think <sighs> I can say that with you lived here. You were an asshole. You got to earn that. <laughs> and, and Maddie introduced me to a lot of things uh, moving to Cape Cod. Some we can't talk about on the podcast, some <laughs> of which we are going to, and that being just great radio. And WAAF, you know, RIP was a, a great Boston area radio station. It was an amazing and station, Brando. It really was. It was my, the New York version of K-Rock growing yep. up and didn't really have that in New York. So I found even when I would go home back to Long Island, I would listen to WAAF. I loved it. And one of the reasons why I loved it is our guest for today, Mistress Carrie. So welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's so surreal because, I mean, it's more surreal for Maddie, who's told me that he's been listening to you since yeah. you intern. <laughs> so I grew up listening to AAF, um, you know, mainly uh, I, I started listening to the morning show and, and most specifically uh, Opie and Anthony because mm. Opie and Anthony really got there. I would say they they cut their teeth really at, at AAF and, and made them what they ultimately became there. Um, but around that time, there was this intern floating around that was doing everything, anything and everything. And, uh, intern Carrie kept coming up over and over again. And, you know, all these years later, she, she rode that ship, you know, rode, went down with it. So rode it, it right cool. into the ground, baby. <laughs> it was pretty, it was amazing. It was an I amazing. Was run. 29 years, those internships, you know, they're invaluable to be able to go and, and learn the business from the inside out. So I started interning in 91, got, got on the payroll in 94 in the promotions department 
And then the aforementioned Opie and Anthony getting fired in early 1998 is what opened up a full-time slot on the air and how, so I thank those guys all the time for getting fired. It's a move for me ever. A couple of Long Island guys. Yeah. Yep. And, but what you've done now, and I, I'm so happy that I get to speak with you on kind of an upswing now of your career, because much like it's happened to stations in New York, it's, it's radio is changing. Well, you will use that word. Uh, so AAF was bought out by a Christian station, I guess. Well, what happened was there because you, you need to clarify, there's a difference between WAF, the entity and 107.3, the broadcast. The broadcast signal is what got sold off. The radio station entity and identity is still retained by Odyssey. OK. And it still streams. But there's no DJs or anything. It's just a streaming online radio station. But what they consider intellectual property of WA off the logo, like all of that kind of stuff still exists and is still owned by the company. But 107.3, the terrestrial broadcast signal is what got sold off to Christian radio. OK, because I would show you, but I'm glad maybe I can't show you because I would get sued. Uh, and I, t- <laughs> I, I have the. Matt, you gave it to me. It was an old Guns N' Roses bumper sticker. Yep. W-A-A-F. It's like on my. Yeah, we made a bunch of those. Those commemorative stickers, um, you know, our our old uh, marketing guy, Adam Ralston, um, who was with the station multiple times, talking about a guy that started as an intern and. And he, as far as I know, is is the one holding the archive of like the most commemorative stickers. He and I have been working together to try and have one place where the most of these stickers are kind of put into a collection. And I had a few that he didn't have. And um, there's a lot of those Guns N' Roses stickers because they were such a huge band for us for such a long time. I was actually telling a coworker yesterday how when I was uh, on the street team at WAF, I was responsible for the rock bus one day and I had to go out to this garage in the middle of the you know, middle of the woods to get it. And I stumbled upon boxes and boxes of of stickers and T-shirts. And you better believe I pilfered a bunch when I was out there. So I actually have like a stack, uh, probably like 20, maybe at this point of old Mistress Carrie, the round ones with, oh, the, nice. with the barbed wire around it. Yeah, yes, so, I love um, those stickers. Oh, so it, there, there's it. this bunch of that stuff still out there. Oh, I love it. I wish I didn't use it. You know, I, I wish I just had it as more of like a collectible, but I guess that's well, what's sticking for. Any, I'll, I'll save them for you if I come across any, because I, I was kind of a hoarder at my time mm-hmm. at AF. I saved a lot of stuff. And then, you know, the last week of the radio station, I kind of took everything but the paint off the wall. So I got a lot of cool stuff. So if I come across <laughs> any, I'll make sure you get some. But you have a great set up now. No stickers around you. And I want you to let they're that. all on my desk okay. around there. The what this is MCHQ. So this is my new personal studio now that I built during the lockdown. And what you can't see is the desk that all of the equipment sits on is made to look like stacked road cases backstage at a concert. Oh, that's cool. It was, it was actually built by a road case company called Image Custom Cases. And um, they were amazing because they really slowed down during the pandemic. And they were like, hey, you know, let us help you build your studio. And so the 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 desk that all of my equipment is built on, I wanted to plaster it with stickers so it looks like a real authentic road case. And so there's nice. a sticker okay. all over it. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's awesome. 
awesome. Are there pictures online of your studio? Have you done that? Um, or is it too there, secret? there may be, there may be some, I'll have to go and, and dig up and see if I put any, cause for a long time it was under construction. So I didn't want to put pictures up. And now that it's, you know, pretty much finished and decorated and soundproofed and whatever. And uh, it's a really comfortable place to work. And it's the cleanest um, <laughs> the cleanest studio I've ever worked in. Matt will be able to tell you the old AF studio was like a Petri dish of science sample <laughs> I, uh, so, I slept on that love sack a couple of times that, you are a brave man because i know what <laughs> happened on that love sack and i wouldn't have sat on it so yeah, well you know so having a studio i can control how clean it is and who sits on the couch so it's good i think that's a lot of radio studios i i know i've been there i you, know, you control who comes in and who comes out yeah uh, so that's exactly. why it's awesome that you started the the mistress carrie podcast which has been extremely successful right away you just interviewed uh, chris daughtry yeah, and, it's almost a year old. June 10th of 2020, the first episode debuted. So nice. I can't believe that it's been a year. I can't believe it. It's tough because coming from, I'm obviously a radio person as well, to do a podcast, it's like there's no format. There's just, it's an open, it's just kind of like the Wild West. So did you find that transition difficult? Because obviously you're very seasoned in interviews, but now you're really doing all of them in long form as opposed to on the radio. I mean, I'm having the conversations I always wished I could have. Exactly. Sure. Now, normally in radio, you get access to an artist. You know, you get what they call a phoner, which is like sure. a 10 minute call to talk about the record, the tour, when tickets go on sale and then move along. Unless the band actually was coming into the studio and then you could have them for longer. But then you always had to interrupt the conversation because of commercials or you wanted to play some music and. So in some ways, the podcasting, it was so easy because I just didn't have to stop the natural flow of the conversation. The only thing, and I know that as podcasting progresses and moves forward, that this is going to change is I would love to be able to put songs into my podcast sure. and you can legally only put snippets in it right now for licensing purposes. But as podcasting grows and as the technology grows, they're going to work that stuff out. Yeah. And when they do, and people can do a long form podcast episode with music and like full songs in the show. Game changer. Game changer. Yeah. So that was the only difference for me was just on one hand, I was happy that there was nothing interrupting the interview. But on the other hand, when we're talking about a song, sometimes it would be really nice to be able to go, well, let's play the song and we'll come back and keep talking about it. And I can't do that right now. Yeah. Oh, I, but I'm not I, complaining. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But you're also uh, back on the radio, which is amazing. And oh, this is the the name that I, I, I saved to say on the air uh, because I remember when I mispronounced it the first time and Matt couldn't stop laughing because I couldn't pronounce where Matt was initially from Stoughton. It's still it's Stoughton. I got that down. But I used to call it uh, Worcester. Oh, I know Worcester. it's Worcester. I know it's I know. Worcester now. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> we saw the Foo Fighters there. I'm like, we're going to see the Foo Fighters in Worcester. Yeah, There's Fighters a lot of places me. in Massachusetts that people mispronounce. And that's why you don't get to call yourself a mass hole. Uh, because okay, okay. Exactly. Until you can get through all of these places and pronounce them all right, you fair can't enough. be a mass hole. So fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, and Worcester, kid. Worcester. 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 I know. And I got to say this because uh, Matt's wearing his Bruins hat. Uh, I've got my Islanders shirt on because it's Islanders Bruins tonight. Yeah. Game three. 
I know. I know, Mr. Uh, Carrie, you're a big uh, Sox. Are you? No, you're also a. You're I'm also a homer, man. I'm yeah. born and raised in Massachusetts. You know, what's really funny is that during the lockdown, like a lot of people, I started researching my genealogy and started researching my family history with my sister as like something to keep us occupied during the lockdown. Okay. And I can trace my family back in Massachusetts to 1670 right now. Nice. So when I say I'm a homer and I'm born and raised, there's one half of my family, my dad's half that that's immigrants. And we, and you know, that we can see where they came over and that it was pretty recently, but then there's the other half of the family that is mass hold to the DNA core. Cause they got here and we're like, never leaving. <laughs> So it's so when you grow up, it becomes part of you. And I've been a Boston sports fan when they lost all the time. Mm. So I don't mind being obnoxious about it when they win all the time, because I'll be a Pats fan long after Tom Brady's legacy is over. And I'll be a Sox fan long after. And same thing with the Bruins and the Celtics. It's like I grow up with it and you cherish the wins because you stay loyal through the losses. That's just how it is. I think any great sports city, their fans are like that. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm still rooting for the Islanders who haven't won a championship since I was born. This is Literally. the first time the Isles and Bruins have played in the playoffs since 83. It's crazy. Since yeah. we, I was born. That's, that's yep. amazing. So, I mean, I, I loved, you know, living in Massachusetts and being a uh, part of the community for a while, but I think, uh, you know, and thankfully I lived there when the giants beat the, the Patriots. <laughs> sorry. sorry. I had to say that. Sorry. sorry, don't, sorry. Don't talk I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. But working in the, working in the music business, most of the people that I that I deal with from the record companies and the managers, they're either in New York or L.A. So sports always it's like, let's get the business out of the way. I literally was on the phone with a record rep this morning who's right at this very moment wearing Islanders underwear. And one <laughs> know that I didn't go that so, far. So, oh, yeah. They, like I'm I'm used to the smack talking because if I'm not getting it from an East Coast rival, I'm getting it from a West Coast rival. So. I look at it and you know, and it's because of Maddie and some other friends, it's, it's not so much more. I look at it as a rivalry. It's like a fun, it's kind of like a fun brother, sister, exactly. brother, brother, back and forth this, at this point in my life. I, you know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not playing for these teams. What do I care? I just uh, look at it as a, as a way of like being proud of where you're from. Like I respect yeah. the fact that you're an Islanders fan because that's where you grew up. That's the team you grew up. I don't respect Fairweather fans that just buy a Brady's jersey because he wins championships or sure. whatever. It's like pick your team, grow up with your team, support them, win or lose, stay loyal. I respect that. You know, even if it's a fan of the Jets, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, so it's okay. Obviously, it's you know that. Not... It's not much better. I, yeah, I know. It, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, but this is a, I, I, pre, I, I like that you have great sports knowledge. And obviously, Maddie, you do too, because I use that analogy a lot with Guns N' Roses and with bands. Obviously, with the lineup changes, and, and you probably have seen Axel and company before Slash got back together again. I'm rooting for the band, kind of like I'm rooting for the brand, the jersey, so to speak, even with lineup changes. So to use that kind of transition, what opportunities did you, have you had to interview members of, of Guns N' Roses, whether it be at AAF? I don't know if you've had anybody on the podcast yet. Not, not yet, but I've talked. I, I haven't spoken to Axel. He's always been notoriously difficult to you know get access to, especially in radio. But I've spent some really good time with Slash. 
um, a couple years ago before the lockdown, Duff McKagan was on his solo tour and he was at the city winery in Boston. And um, I went down with a camera crew and was able to sit backstage with Duff. He and I had to have talked for over an hour. We had, and as soon as this is what's crazy, I walk into the room with Duff and as soon as I walked in the room, he saw the AAF, like, I don't know if it was the mic flag or whatever, and immediately started talking about how AAF was one of the stations that broke Guns N' Roses. Okay. And then he remembered it and told me the story about how, um, you know, there was a station in Canada that helped to break Guns N' Roses and that AAF was one of those stations in the U.S. that took a flyer on Guns N' Roses and started playing them off the bat and recognized the call letters. And I and I was like, stop talking. Let me set up the equipment. <laughs> actually record this because this this like, as, as I walked in the door, I was like, Duff, stop. I want to be able to record this. And then he told me the whole story in the interview and that interview and then my slash interview that he did actually in the in the studio we actually set up a couch and like a green screen the videos for both of those interviews you can find them on youtube oh okay that's short yeah, yeah i know a lot of your interviews on yeah there's a lot of stuff um that's up there i mean i have the audio too but um you know i always loved aaf was always a very early adopting radio station to technology i mean we had a television show back in the mid nineties when Opie and Anthony were there. And then when they were gone and I started, I hosted like 200 and something episodes and we were doing backstage band interviews and skits and crazy stuff. We were making viral content before that was even a thing. Right. And so there's a lot of great old archived content, um, you know, that's on, that's on the internet, but yeah, I've had a chance to talk to those guys and um, I've always found them to be gracious and, you know, really nice and sweet. And, um, you know, I mean, as calm as you can be in the center of an F5 tornado, which is what I look at Guns N' Roses as being, you know. Sure. Well, how many, uh, when was the first time you saw them? Did you, uh, was it through radio or when you were no. uh, a young mistress? No, like back, like Maddie, like I grew up listening to AAF as a kid because I grew up in the suburbs of Boston. If you lived in the city, you grew up listening to this radio station called WBCN mm -hmm. and WBCN used to make fun of the people that lived in the suburbs. And so if you grew up in the suburbs, you listened to AAF, which was like, you know, the the smaller, scrappy, younger brother that always was like, one day I'm going to grow up and kick your ass. And then we did. And we did. But, yeah. but growing up, listening to AAF, um, you know, you, you grew up, the AAF was that station that took a chance. So AAF took a chance on Guns N' Roses where like the quote unquote bigger, more mainstream station like BCN, you know, they broke bands like U2 and stuff. But when it came to like risque bands like a Guns N' Roses in the early days, that's not what BCN did. And so I went and saw, oh God, when did I see Guns N' Roses first? <sighs> The two shows that stick out in my head. Well, no, there's three, four. I, I can't even count how many times I've seen them. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing them at what was the Worcester Centrum, which is now the DCU Center. Soundgarden opened up. And what stuck with me on that was that Soundgarden had an off night. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of there going, they kind of suck. 
Like, I don't know if it was just Cornell had a rough voice night because back in those days, like, you know, that was when those grunge bands were just getting started and they were partying and it's all documented now. And if you got them on an off night, it was like, God, what was that? And obviously every other time I saw Soundgarden after that, they were brilliant. So I remember that show more so. I still have the shirt, the Guns N' Roses shirt that I got. Oh, wow. Um, I have a hoarding problem with my concert shirts. I think, <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> um, I remember seeing the Guns N' Roses Metallica co-headlining stadium tour with Faith No More. Awesome. And the show in Massachusetts at what was the old Foxborough Stadium that was torn down and where Gillette Stadium is now where the Pats play. It was five days after the Montreal riot. So I remember, and I was in like the 10th row on the oh, floor. Wow. Nice. And you could feel the tension because people were afraid Axel was going to storm off the stage and another riot was going to happen. And I remember I was sitting in the row with a member of the Patriots whose name escapes me right now. Okay. The dude, he was like an old lineman. He was massive. And I was sitting in like the 10th row and he was just like, look, if the shit hits the fan, you stick with me. And I was like, no <laughs> nice. problem, dude. But James Hetfield still had his arm in a cast from the burns, from the Montreal, from the mm. pyro fire. Um, and then I saw Guns N' Roses. I believe it was with Buckethead. Like it was that era Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. And I actually took Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Stone Sour. And he and I went to that show together. Oh, wow. Um, and we were sitting in like the 10th or 11th row at the Boston Garden. And it was one of those shows where no Axel was notoriously tardy. Mm -hmm. and Corey and I sat there for hours waiting for the show and like we're getting more and more pissed off as it went and Corey Taylor at one point went on like a storyteller's acoustic tour and if you go and you dig on YouTube you can find the show on that tour that he played the Middle East in Cambridge Mass okay I've been and there. one of the stories he told in this storytellers thing was the night he was sitting around waiting for Axel to come on stage. And I was the person with him at the show and I was at the middle East that night. And he was pointing at me in the crowd. Like he was like, she's here somewhere. I was with you and told this really funny story. And then obviously I was at the big triumphant reunion shows that happened before the lockdown. So I've seen him a bunch of times that off the top of my head, um, in all of the different incarnations. It's all, there's always a story. It's like there isn't, there isn't a Guns N' Roses show that you're like, I don't really remember. It was like, there's always something that exactly. happened in our show. That's why they're perfect for our podcast. Yeah. So what's your story, Matt? So my, uh, my, my Guns N' Roses adjacent story related to you is actually a uh, Velvet Revolver show at the, uh, the Worcester Centrum Center. I got, I got it right here is actually uh, November 9th, 2004. One of the last shows before it became the DCU Center. And I had been working at AAF for maybe a month month at most uh and somehow i think adam ralston gave me tickets said hey nobody picked these up you go you know go watch the show and i was you know just leave in time to go hand out stickers afterwards okay great so i get to my seats and they're right next to the stage and about 10 minutes later i see you know you him and all these other like big wig vip type people i don't know who you were bringing to the show walk in and you're sitting like 10 rows behind me <laughs> and he looks down at me and he looks at his seats and he's, <laughs> he's pissed. how did you get in front of me? So my, my story is I was a, a you know, a, pro, a street teamer and I got, I sat close to the well, that for that story proves one thing that I think is very important 
is that you said you were sitting in a listener's seats and they didn't pick up their tickets and you got to use them. And that shows that we didn't hoard the good tickets and give the listeners the shit tickets. We always gave the listeners the best tickets that were available. So when you won tickets from AAF, you got the best tickets we could give you. And you just proved that story. Exactly. (laughs) And the one memorable thing from that night for me anyway, was before the show started, guys from like real world were walking up and down the aisle. It's like a, a section over from us. And I was like, this is the real world. Boston yeah, that was guys. a real world Boston year. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> like there were so many cities and it was like, oh, the real world, you know, whatever. As soon as like the mass holes found out where the real world was, they were like, <laughs> you guys like, throwing stuff, constantly screaming at them outside the, the custom firehouse that they redid for the show. Yeah. A lot of cities would be proud to have like a real world cast in Boston was like, fuck you. Don't watch your bullshit here. That's why I mean, Boston and New York are friends. Well, as much as we oh, might fight, we're, I mean, we're, we're the same way. Areas for sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know what? Speaking of Velvet Revolver, did you ever get a chance, an opportunity to uh, speak with Scott Weiland? A couple times. So I have a picture of me um, with Scott in the old AAF studio that was on Huntington Ave. So that was because they came in stone temple pilots came in and played acoustic in the studio and the, the performance is fantastic but i got a picture with scott and i believe it's dean DeLeo. the three of us are in the photo and then when velvet revolver played they they played i believe the show was at the house of blues and i think they played back-to-back shows or something and they had played the night before the interview and Scott Weiland had gone off about some big political rant about like the Iraq war or like something like that. And he was supposed to call my show the next day and he called super late. And when we finally started talking, I kind of asked him about like the, the political, not so much political, but more like military political based content that he was like talking about Mm -hmm. the statements he was making on stage because anybody that's ever known anything about me is that one of the things that I'm the most passionate about is supporting our veteran community and our, and our military community. And I get very upset when our military is politicized because I have a lot of friends that enlisted in the military or were commissioned into the military in one you know, era in one, when one political party in one administration, like uh, the way I look at it is our military signs a blank check and that check gets passed around and passed around. And then it's like Russian roulette. Like somebody gets to cash it eventually. The military is not in control of it. So whatever the administration is, whatever their political views are, whatever party is in place, they're not always going to be there. And so politicizing our actual military members upsets me because they are supposed to be apolitical. They're just doing whatever our elected officials get them to do. So if you want to be upset about what the military is doing, be upset with the government that sent them there, not with the troops themselves. And so as Scott and I were talking, 
we I had just got this had to have been like 2007, maybe because I got embedded as a journalist in Iraq in 2006. And so when I brought up that embed experience and was trying to tell him some of the things he had heard about what our troops were doing wasn't actually true because I had just been there. He went off on me uh-huh. about like, this is what's wrong with our media and basically insinuated that I was like fucking Paris Hilton, like making a reality show in Iraq. And like, and we got into it and I was like, fuck that. I I know he was in the throes of addiction. I know that, you know, when you're dealing with somebody that's battling addiction, that you're not always dealing with them in their true self. Right. Um, And I also know that it's possible for somebody to just have a bad day. Right. Yeah. Uh, But that became a very famous when people ask me the question of like, you know, who is the biggest asshole you've ever met or like whatever. I've only had issues with two rock stars in my entire career. And that Scott Weiland interview was one of them. But the time I had met him before at the radio station, when we took the picture and stuff. He couldn't have been nicer. But I believe he had just gotten out of rehab then and was and was sober and was really nice and whatever. So so the only time I had access to Weiland during the Velvet Revolver era did not go well <laughs> to say the least that did not go well they always say on uh, i know what you do is fantastic and i was going to bring that up before we wrapped up today uh, what you do uh, for the troops and supporting the troops and having gone over there putting your money with your your mouth is kind of the, so to speak but they say on the radio all the time don't talk religion and politics because you just never know but um, you, yeah, and you it's, have that experience. Like, I mean, the, the thing is, especially in this political climate that we're all living in, it's like it's absolutely fine. Like if that's what you, you the, the great thing about the United States is that you can have those opinions. Right. Yeah. And that you can say what you want. And my whole thing was part of the reason why I wanted to go overseas was that I had been hearing things in the news, you know, that the troops weren't trained, that they were baby killers, that it was like, you know, and, and looking back, even my early opinions about the Iraq war, um, you know, have obviously changed with education, the political side, the, the, the arguments about going to war. I, I, I was never wrong in supporting our troops by any stretch of the imagination. However, you know, after nine 11, everybody was really, emotional and looking for revenge and looking to blame somebody. And the Iraq war was a perfectly timed thing. And we've all learned, you know, 2020 hindsight that maybe some of the things we were all told weren't true and all of those things. And, and now I'm better informed. And obviously the world we're living in now, it's like, who can you trust and what news can you trust? And, and, but When someone says something I know to be blatantly false, not because I heard about it on another news channel, but because I actually watched it with my own eyes, that's when I kind of go, okay, look, you know, if you're going to make me have this conversation, then I'm going to bust out some facts because this is what I actually saw. And I've, and I've done that with my trip to Iraq. And I've also done it with my trip to Afghanistan. It's like, it's like, You know, maybe it's maybe what I saw wasn't happening everywhere, but I can tell you what I saw with my own eyes when I was there and what you're saying in this moment about what was going on over there is false. And this is why this is what I experienced. 
And I live my life a lot that way, which is the put up or shut up, put your money where your mouth is. I would rather see it for myself so I can speak from experience than just believe what somebody else said. Um, Sometimes as a woman, people take call that bitchy, (laughs) which I wear as a badge of honor and love that. So bring it on. Call me a bitch, please. Um, But yeah, when you bring up Wyland, like that's the only thing. And it and I love his music so much. I love the other guest. I have to ask. uh, Who's the other guest? That's what we want to know. Dave Navarro. Uh, That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he was he was the only other one. Um, We got into it a little bit. He was he was working on another band, like, you know, one of this small side project. And he, he came in the studio, he was super late and he came in the studio and he lit up a cigarette in the studio. And like, we had this state of the art Halon system and I'm the daughter of a career firefighter. And I'm like, dude, you know that if you smoke in here, that shit's going to fall out of the ceiling and it's going to snuff the fire and we're going to fucking suffocate. And I was like, just so you know, I'm closer to the door. I'm getting out. If you die in here, not my problem, bro. Like you can't smoke. <laughs> like who thinks you can walk into an on-air studio? I know you're trying to be all rock star like, but don't yeah. fucking smoke in here. You'll die. You can wait, you know, go outside, take a pot. And you're like three hours late for the interview. You couldn't <laughs> have a cigarette in the last three hours. And it was, it, it was not, you know, it didn't start off great. But other than that, I've never had, you know, it, for the, as bitchy as people think I am, I go I out of my, I, I'm not, I just have strong opinions and I don't take anybody's shit. And when you're a guy, you get applauded for that. When you're a woman, they call you bitchy. So that's why I embrace the term. It's like, just call me a fucking bitch. I don't care. <laughs> so <it's> I, <laughs> You're a asshole. Yeah. And, and because I'm from Boston, it's like, you know, even even people from around the rest of the country think we're a little too abrasive. And it's yes. like, well, it just that's just how we are. But I go out of my way and always have to make the artist comfortable, not because I look at them and put them on a pedestal as being a rock star. It's actually the exact opposite. It's that I realize because I was a touring roadie before I was on the air, I understand how hard touring can be. Waking up in a different city, sleeping on an uncomfortable bed, not getting enough rest, eating shitty food, you know, just the long nights of traveling and when you don't feel good and you I understand what that's like. And so I have always tried to make the artist as comfortable as possible when they come in my studio and come on my show. And I have such respect for songwriting and musicianship because I don't have it myself that I go out of my way to try and make them comfortable. And because I do those little things, it always really sets the tone for a great start to an interview with an artist because they see that I actually care about their comfort. I make sure I know how they like their coffee. I make sure, you know, like if there was ever a band that came in to play acoustic in the studio, I, I always had room temperature water for the lead singer because singers shouldn't drink cold water. It's bad for their vocal cords. And so there's all these little things that I always paid attention to, to make the artist comfortable. And so when people ask me that question about, you know, who was the biggest assholes, it's like the list is super short because even the biggest of rock stars who you would rationalize being able to be the asshole were always incredibly gracious because I took the the five seconds to try and make You're them setting the tone. Yeah. Which is and, what I, I realized that their thing. time is valuable, you know, yes. and thank them for the, for the, the generosity of their time. I'm the same way. Just before we started recording, you know, 
just with you. I wanted you to feel comfortable. And even with Matt, even though I've known him for, for decades at this point, that's because you're going to, you're going to get a better conversation. You're going to get more honest answers because there are too many interviewers out there, especially in the world of podcasting, that there's so many out there that want the, the clickbait story or the scooper. So if you ever (laughs) to tie back to GNR, if you ever hang out with Duff again for an hour, can you tell him that I'm harmless? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to interview him on that tour as well, the tenderness. And then uh, management was uh, canceled it on me thinking um, I would just talk to him about Guns N' Roses. Well, that's that's one of the things is that what I've noticed is that when members of Guns N' Roses aren't doing something Guns N' Roses related, um, especially, you know, I mean, I have slash on tape saying that the band would never get back together. Sure. You know what I mean? And then when I had a chance here, I was like, you lied to me, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I also understand that it's gotta be really hard to live in your own shadow. Right. You know, like look at somebody like Robert Plant that gets asked that is Led Zeppelin going to get back together a billion times, even though he's answered the question and, and, you know, it's for good reason is that he's gotten older. His voice doesn't do what 20 something Robert plant can do and he can't compete with his former self. So I have appreciation for how annoying that must be to be someone like slash or someone like Duff and, and be really proud of this new thing that you've created on your own. You know, it, it would be like if I had a contentious separation with WAF and then I launch my own thing and all you want to talk to me about is AAF. And I'm like, dude, like I'm doing other things. I appreciate that you want to talk about whatever I'm doing. But like so I, I understand where that comes from. But at the same time, it's like if you're coming at it from a fan perspective, I can see it from your side of the coin, too. You know, it just I, I have sympathy and empathy for them because I, I know that, how, that must suck. You but know, here's the thing, because you come you came with the the background. I mean, the, the famous Mistress Carrie, W.A.F. You're, you're safe. I know air quotes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but with me, I'm like, I am. I will sign a contract that says I will not talk about Guns N' Roses. I will talk to Slash for an hour about horror. I'll talk to Duff about the Seattle Supersonics. It's just the name of my podcast because Brando isn't as sexy as Mrs. <laughs> Carrie. So I need a little bit of a hook. Listen, I didn't even give myself that name. The listeners gave it to me and I just took it and ran with it. Oh, and really? when it came to naming my podcast, it's like, what the fuck else was I going to name it? Oh, that's okay. And Matt, are we going to lose you? Because you just texted me your battery's going to die. You might. Yeah, I'm trying to not like shuffle around here to plug myself in. So uh, if you if I disappear, that's why. Okay, fair enough. Well, we're battery, not isn't, in. battery isn't as good as I thought. All right, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be here. Don't worry. No, that's all right. We're not going to keep... Uh, oh, I guess he's going to pause anyway. Just uh, plug it in. No, because I also want to talk to you yeah, about like advice with that. Because I, I had this in... Uh, I, I brought up the example with Tommy Stinson before when I had the opportunity a few times to interview him and they've had interviewers promise. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the replacements. We're not going to talk about guns N' roses, or maybe we will a little bit, but that's all they focus on. I don't do that. Like I know at first glance, you see all GNR stuff around you, but again, I don't have, maybe I should dye my beard purple <laughs> just to stand out. I'll just tell you buy black towels, man. Cause it gets everywhere. My actually, my fiance, she just dyed her hair purple as well, but she's like, oh, it's so purple. I'm like, eh, 
It's get a highlights. black pillowcase because it'll ruin your sheets. If you don't just okay. buy a black pillowcase. I showed her your picture. I'm like, no, this is really purple. You have purple highlights, which looks great. But there's such thing as like, you know, go oh, I dove in the purple pool head first. And I and I've been there a long time. My actually this October will be the 30th anniversary of me dyeing my hair purple. It's been purple for 30 years. That's incredible. And it's been cool and uncool and cool and uncool like a dozen times since then. I just don't care. Right? I, I feel like it's it's the congratulations difference. on getting engaged, by the way. I didn't oh. have a chance during your intro to congratulate you. And oh, that, that's all right. I, I guess as Maddie B joins us again, I just remember I think thinking when we were, you know, in our early 20s, starting out on the radio, I'm like, I, all I want is a full time radio job and a girl who loves and puts up with me. And that's what happened. So, I mean, it's what all, all of us could hope for. And Maddie, congratulations on being a dad. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't yeah, I didn't know. I made uh, Mistress Carrie baby onesies, dude. So I got. Oh, I, I, I remember seeing those. Yeah. 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 You no, get he's uh, he's getting big. He's he's a he's a bundle. That's how sure. old is he? He'll be uh, six months. No, I don't know. It's a blur. Carrie, he was born in February. He was born on Super Bowl Sunday during the Super Bowl. Oh, so, you, so I have baby onesies that say made in Four lockdown months. 2020. You need a lockdown baby onesie. I'm going to say. All right. Great. That's, funny. That's awesome. That is awesome. You have a yeah, lot of great merch, right? So was it mistresscarry.com? Yeah, my website's mistresscarry.com. And it's been, you know, one of one of the things that AAF was always really good at was was marketing and and the creative evil geniuses that we worked with all of those years. Um, I learned a lot about marketing and you know, I, I took a lot of that that with me. And one of the things I wanted to do was to be able to get, you know, new artwork and logos made. And I've had a really good time being able to kind of control the merch that I create and, and, you know, to be able to like have the regular stuff that you would expect, you know, like t-shirts and hoodies and that kind of stuff, but to like make, you know, I have baby onesies that say my mom rocks like mistress Carrie, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that is just super fun. And, um, now, if I get like a stupid idea about something, I don't have a boss telling me I can't do it. I just make them. Yeah. So it's been really cool. Beauty of podcasting. Uh, you know, let me get predictions from both of you as, as oh, concerts are, are finally, you know, returning. I mean, this is just uh, in- incredible. I, I have my I still have my Guns N' Roses ticket from when they canceled last year that was rescheduled for, for MetLife Stadium. I, I, unfortunately, I was hoping to go to Chicago to see them. But the dates they came out, it's not going to line up with the, the week I'm going to Chicago just for regular vacation. Come to Boston. The show is what, August 3rd at Fenway? Here, the thing, I maybe I, if Maddie, if who just dropped off, maybe if he goes, because my fiance, we get along with a lot of things, but her Guns N' Roses, like her favorite band is Dave Matthews. Oh. So she's like seeing Dave Matthews all around the country. This. My husband's a country music fan, so trust me, I feel your pain, man. Wow, okay, pain. all right. Yeah. I, um, I was like, is something wrong? We we meet together on the Beatles, but that's interesting that you have a country music. Uh, yeah, it's it's really funny. We met on a blind date, and he didn't grow up in New England, so he didn't even he had no idea who I was or what I did, and um, he. It, it's actually kind of nice to like have somebody that loves you, not because of what you do for a living or like, I mean, he appreciates what I do and he's incredibly supportive, but um, yeah, I have to put up with his shitty taste in music. (laughs) Okay. Brutal man. It's brutal. I feel feel your pain. So 
Um, yeah, I may go to Fenway, but I, I, I usually don't go to concerts by myself. So I have to find somebody to go with this time. Maybe AC, maybe Pennsylvania. But anyway, the, the prediction is with Guns N' Roses finally coming back and it's the reunions been going on for five years. Are they going to release new music? What yes, 100%. 100%. Oh, wow. That's even, I didn't get my question out and you already came out with it 100%. What yeah. makes you so confident? Um, it's the same thing that made me so confident that they would get back together and do a reunion tour. Really? You were all into that too. Always, I always said it would happen. Always mm. said it would happen with Soundgarden. Um, there are very few exceptions of bands that have been thrown money that have turned it down. Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and ABBA. To my knowledge, ABBA turned down the most money, believe it or not. Um, other than those exceptions, I have a lot of faith that at some point, any band will get offered enough money that outweighs the hate they have for each other. I guess thought they were offered a lot of money throughout the years. And then, they, like, well, but it depends on they time. need it at the time. That's the thing is that yeah. you always find out how good they were with their money, because obviously a band like Guns N' Roses, a band like Led Zeppelin, a band like Pink Floyd, they they're going to get a certain amount of fuck you money that just comes in the mail from the residuals and the airplay of all of their old catalog and True. stuff. That money's always going to come in. But the more money you have, the more problems you get, you know, the famous more money, more problems. Exactly. And, you know, the 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 streets are lined with with bad investments. And there are a lot just like with athletes, you get this flood of cash early and it's possible to make a lot of really bad business decisions. And you can spend a lot of time of your life trying to dig out of those holes. Look at look at all of us. Right. Like, you know, look at the look at the the bailout checks that everybody got. Most people went and spent it on bullshit. Well, imagine <laughs> you get a ten million dollar royalty check for appetite for destruction. You're not going to invest all of it. And if you did, you're going to invest it in some stuff that doesn't pan out. So I always have faith that it's some point down the road, a band is going to go, you know what? Now I'm just being selfish because now I'm denying future generations of my own family financial security by not mm -hmm. wanting to do this tour or not wanting to do this record. And so I just have faith that um, I think Guns N' Roses getting back together and doing that reunion tour and selling out stadiums from the jump and having the tour be critically acclaimed, the fans loving it. And I think all those years later, I don't, I can't speak for what it took behind the scenes to negotiate getting the tour to happen. I'm sure it wasn't easy because everybody's got their own managers and whatever. Sure. But the fact that it went off virtually without a hitch, at least that any of us knew about, it's got to be fulfilling to get that albatross of what could have been off all of their backs, Axel included. And you can't tell me they haven't been inspired musically by what's gone on with Guns N' Roses in the last five years. And to be able, especially over the last year, to not be able to do anything else besides throw around song ideas. That I, I hope that's a, I don't want to bet my house but I would go to Vegas and bet my house that we're going to get new Guns N' Roses music. I would say probably within the next, I'm not going to say tomorrow, but I would say within the next 12 to 18 months, maybe. I bet we get it in 2022. Okay. Maybe by the end of this year, we could get a song. 
now whether it's a record, whether it's a song off a soundtrack for a movie. That's another story. It's I, I'm not saying, oh, we're going to get a brand new record full of original Guns N' Roses stuff. Maybe it's um, archived old stuff with one new track on it. Like I just I find it very hard to believe that they are not in some kind of creative space, that they're not making new music that they're going to want to release. OK, uh, hopefully That's it is. Uh, we'll see what comes first, whether you can play that new music on a podcast or they actually just release it. I bet Guns N' Roses releases new music before you can play a full song on a podcast. (laughs) That would be my prediction. Okay. My somewhat educated prediction, but that's my prediction. Okay. And Maddie B, I can see uh, or not see that he's diligently uh, trying to find the lost uh, Guns N' Roses. I'm actively working on it. You just can't see it. No, I know. It was it, it was so funny. I guess I remember working on Cape Cod with Maddie, and that was when all the Guns N' Roses leaks were coming out, and we're hearing yep. it before Chinese Democracy came out. And- oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all these time. years later, you know, again, uh, not just to do radio with Maddie, my, my, my friend, but to speak with you, uh, Carrie is just, I've, I've wanted to for a long time. It's just a fan, but just, well, to talk I, about- I appreciate it. And, and, you know, it, I know how, how, the podcasting world is. And it's like, when you let somebody on your show, it's like, you're letting them into your, into your house, right. That you're like inviting somebody into your space. And so I'm very grateful that, you know, you asked me to come on and I, I thought it was really cool. So I, I appreciate the, the open invite and the hospitality. Right on. And just be aware because of the email. Cause I was like, I, ain't, I haven't heard from Mrs. Carrie. I'm like, did she reject me from an interview? It goes to spam. And when you look at, it's one of those emails that whenever you write a response, it goes all the way to the bottom. Yeah. So it's, it's my email. Know. I'm working on my email system, man. Okay. I'm working on it. I've, <laughs> I've, okay. I've had to learn a lot of tech stuff in the last year since <laughs> my first email address ever. Oh, okay. was a WAF email address. So, so, you know, building everything myself and launching, you know, my website and the podcast and building a studio, the learning curve for the technology, the behind the scenes stuff has been interesting. And I'm still trying to figure out why my email did that to you. So I'm sorry. Well, I'm glad I looked at spam to make this happen. So I'm glad you did too. Thank you so much. Of course, Mistress Carrie podcast. Uh, You are officially on the pike now, Afternoon Drive. I am. So um, about six weeks ago now or so, um, I got hired by Westwood One. Great. um, And they have welcomed me on their 24-7 channels. So I'm on the air on what they call their Rock 2.0 channel and their um, CRX channel. So So I'm doing some new rock radio and then some classic rock radio. And then once I got hired at Westwood one, who's owned by Cumulus and Cumulus media owns the Pike. Mm -hmm. um, Once that all happened and I kind of got welcomed into the building, they were like, Hey, you got mistress Carrie on the payroll. Cause we'd really like to have her on the air over here too. (laughs) And so I kind of got passed around a little bit in the company. So I'm now I do afternoons three to seven on 100 FM, the Pike in Worcester. And then I'm also doing afternoons three to eight for the Westwood one 24 seven channels too. So it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm loving being able to be back on the radio because it's my first love. And even though I love podcasting and I definitely see the future in it and absolutely love it. Um, I love radio and still 
value it as a medium and a form of communication with the audience. And so to be able to do both has been awesome. And I'm so grateful to Westwood One and Cumulus for, you know, allowing me to turn their microphones on every day again. It's nice. Well, I was really happy uh, to read that because you're, as I finally get to meet you, I can, I can verify my thoughts that you're one of the good ones, you know, because uh, radio is a tough business. So I was glad to see you, you know, rise like a phoenix. Oh, come on. <laughs> With all the shit that Maddie talked about me when I wasn't around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brando, I know, you're, I know you're trying to wrap up, but can I share a couple quick of my favorite uh, Carrie, Mistress Carrie? Oh, story? I want to hear these. Yeah, please well, these do. Are, these are, they're not, they're, I mean, so one thing that I want the listeners to know, but before I get to that, um, you said, you know, we talk about bad experiences before with people. I was actually in studio uh, with you when you were interviewing Breaking Benjamin uh, once and you asked the lead singer if he was spraying something in his throat. He was like, oh, I spray this in my throat so that, it, you know, it stays healthy and all that. And you're like, oh, what is it? Can I give it a try? And he's like, no, no, you can't try it. And he was like, he was, I remember the look on his face. He was offended that you even asked. Yeah. <laughs> he, also, he also got mad because he has a fear of flying. Oh, that's right. And we talked about I didn't because I'm a skydiver. So the idea of being afraid to get on an airplane doesn't I, it doesn't compute with me. And like, I understand Travis Barker being afraid to fly because he fucking lived through a yeah, plane yeah. crash. Yeah. But, but I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around being afraid to fly when you like you when you're afraid of the crash before it happens you know what i mean so we got it i think he got a little annoyed with me because i was like you're really afraid to fly and i was like why doesn't the band just drug you and put you on the plane <laughs> tea, right put it in the milk yeah and uh but you know like but those little banter things back and forth That's like funny. i don't like i would never say oh yeah he's an asshole because he, right, yeah. he wasn't it was just like you know, you're bound to ask a question. And, and I really like the freedom of being able to ask an off the cuff question. Like, can I try that spray that you use for your throat? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not part of the planned interview, but if you're going to pull it out and spray it while you're on the air with me, of course, I'm going to talk about it. So that's funny <laughs> that you remember that because I didn't even remember it until you said it. Yeah. You know, it's the little things that you remember is like a fan mm -hmm. looking in, you know, even though you're, you're inside, you're, you're, you're not yeah. even looking in, you're already inside. And right now I know it's a guns and roses uh, podcast. And I always ask people about non guns and roses related questions. And then I promise it's the last one, uh, but this is probably, and, and I, maybe I'm misremembering this a little bit. And, uh, but this is what I believe it to be true. So it is. Um, I, I believe that mistress Carrie in, you know, by the way, WAF is responsible for uh, the record label re-releasing Shinedown's debut album. Oh, that's a hundred percent true. That's not a speculation. That's 100% true. And it was all because of their cover of simple man. They played it on. As like, oh, we just kind of noodle on this song during soundcheck. They played it on air on the radio. And that night they were opening for Nickelback or something, weren't they at, yeah. coming in? They weren't even the headline band. It was their debut album. They were touring in support of that. And the crowd showed up screaming for Simple Man all night. And the uh, AAF was playing that as the single, the acoustic that they were playing in studio. And they actually had the band go back in, re-record some songs for an acoustic version. They included Simple Man and then they re-released the album. 
Wow. Well, I'll tell you what happened because part of what you're saying is true and part of it's not. So, so back then, Shinedown was that band that like ended up opening for everybody. And so they would jump on a tour, come through Boston, jump on another tour, come through Boston like two months later. So they became almost this de facto house band. Yeah. And they came up on my show and they were like, we've played every song that we know how to play acoustic on your show already. And so I have the audio of talking them into playing Simple Man. And because they were Jack Jacksonville, Leonard Skinner is the hometown hero band. So they were afraid of like screwing it up or whatever. So what happened was they played it. It was amazing. It was. They left town. We put the song up on our website because people wouldn't stop calling. We were playing it like every two hours and people were still calling about it. About six weeks later, the band came back through town on a different tour and came back to the studio. And I have the audio because I asked our web guy to pull the number of streams that the song had received in like the six weeks since they had recorded it in the studio. And it was almost a half a million plays mm -hmm. in six weeks that it had been played off of our website and the record rep who was in the studio because i gave out the number live on the air and the band i have the audio on the band was like 10,000 20,000 50,000 100,000 i was like keep going and when i told him it was like 426,000 something times the record rep walked out of the studio and and called new york and was like hold on a second so we offered our recording to the record rep mm. For them to put it on the record, but we asked that they credit WAF on the album and the, the label. And I'm not trying to motherfuck the label. This is just what happened. Um, they were afraid of, you know, there were certain bands that AAF was just so responsible. You know what I mean? Like a Godsmack, for example. Yeah. And there was always this feeling like we'll never be able to broaden the band on any other station in town or whatever, because AAF is just always going to own them. And so the label, I think, was very nervous about Shinedown becoming like an AAF, quote unquote, owned band. And so they didn't want AAF to like be in the liner notes of the record. So they told the band oh, yeah. to go back in and re-record the song and put that version on it. And band, the band knows how I feel that our version of Simple Man is far superior because it it was raw and it was in the moment and spontaneous. And there's so much soul in it that it's it's perfect, even though there's a slight imperfection here or there. It is perfect. And a couple of years ago, before the lockdown, they were co-headlining with Godsmack. And it, you can look this video up on YouTube, too. They they sold out the Xfinity Center. It was like 28,000 people. And Zach Myers and Brent Smith played the song out in the crowd and called me up on stage and had the whole sold out crowd sing the song to me. And I burst into tears mm -hmm. because nice. I was so proud of them for mm -hmm. becoming this band that they are today, like playing in arenas. Like I always saw that that's one of the things I love about what I do is that I saw that band and was like, this band's going to be huge because they're just great guys and they're super talented and they write great songs. And to see them become what I always imagined they could be. It's like, it sounds condescending and like, like I'm a fucking mom, but that's not how I mean it to be. It's just when you say you're proud of someone it comes from a genuine place and I'm just so proud of what they've become. And I'm also really proud of the fact that WAF 
affected the careers of so many bands and that I had a small part in some of that. Like if there's, if there's a legacy of the rock station, you know, of, of WAF that is going to be in the history books. I hope that that's what we're remembered for is that, is that we gave, we gave people a chance that it's what they did for me. It's what they did for Opie and Anthony. It's what they did for so many of those bands. And it's like, they took a chance on things that weren't proven just because they thought it was good. And I love that. And I hope that I can do that continuing forward in my radio career. And with the podcast is opening it up to smaller bands too, to see if we can get them to become rock stars someday. I think so. I mean, I from, so. from guns and roses to shine down, I think there's a good track record. Yeah, we got uh, yeah. a pretty good track record. A AAF was pretty good about that stuff. And and I I just You're I just love music so much that yeah, I just especially with rock, it's I'm really excited to see what the next generation of of rock bands, those great rock bands, who they're gonna be and where they're gonna come from. And I don't subscribe to the to the idea that rock is dead. I, I don't at all. I think Number it's a one nice. song in the country right now is a is a rock influence song. R Olivia Rodrigo. Um I forget the name of it, but it's it sounds like something that Paramore might have done. It's not, you know, your classic rock, but it's yeah, kids like rock. Ozzy just did it, did stuff with Post Malone. I mean, rock isn't dead. It's no, the, the number one rock song right now is Mercy from Aaron Jones. And I had him on my podcast last year. And I was like, I want I told the label, I want to help make this guy huge. And he is genuine and wonderful and incredibly talented in this amazing combination of hip hop and grunge and blues and if you don't know who Aaron Jones is, go and listen to him. He's amazing. So, I don't know, so I'm going to go listen. Really? I, you don't? Oh, you got to go check out Aaron Jones. His record just came out. It's called um, Child of the State. He was discovered by Sir Mix-a-Lot in Seattle. <laughs> nice. He sold me. You have me sold. And he is this incredible blues bass. Like, imagine, like, Gary Clark Jr. and grunge and a little hip-hop. And, like, he's he's an amazing artist, and he is a wonderfully talented guy, and he's a nice guy. And he is is one of the things that I look at rock and roll and go rock and roll is fine. Rock and roll has got a very bright future. If we got artists like Aaron Jones coming out, he's great. And also, uh, cause I, I mentioned this Wolfgang Van Halen opening for Guns N' Roses. I Huge. think that, that's what a home run that is. I mean, Huge. I can't wait to see what, how his career goes. I mean, I obviously has the talent. Talk about having an un... Everybody would think, oh, it's got to be great to be Eddie Van Halen's kid, right? And in a lot of ways, absolutely, right? But it's got to be hard when your passion, when you get that musical gene, right? Because it's there's so many second, third generation musicians. And to grow up with your dad, not just being a guitar player or being in a famous band, but being a pillar, in the pantheon of rock and roll to being the goat and to have to find a way to find your own sunshine and to define yourself as an artist in your own right. That has got to be really hard. Sure. And he's doing that. And I am impressed and the music is good. I can't wait to see him do it live. I mean, I saw him play with, with Van Halen, but I want to see him with his own band, with his own music that he wrote and, um, I think it's awesome. And I, I, the announcement about the guns and roses tour, I was like, what a home run. I, that was, that was the phrase a I home used. Run for a him. home run. Yep. That's exactly what I said. Yep. Uh, 
I put out a request. Hopefully I'll get Wolfgang Van Halen on the podcast. We'll see. Yeah, I'm right. trying to. I put the request in as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Mistress Carrie, you have uh, you're higher on the totem pole than me. So hopefully you have, there's some Wolfgang stories left over. After we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's that's one of the hard things about what we do. You know, know. If, if you talk to somebody that talks for a living and you got to find a way to make it fresh, which is why some people, like you said, fall into that trap of just trying to get the clickbait controversy, like the one little sound bite that's going to get, you know, wind on Twitter or whatever. But I think, you know, we're all coming at it from a different perspective when it comes to our love of music and my interview style and the questions I'm going to ask are going to be totally different than yours. And that's what makes all of the podcasts and all of the interviews awesome is that we all bring something else to the table. Exactly. Well, I look forward to hearing that when it does. I happen. hope it happens. Fingers <laughs> I hope yours do too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Maddie, anything else? You're, you're obviously still uh, rocking Cape Cod's rock pixie one Oh three. I still, I, I can't say it normally. I have to say it like <laughs> you have to put it on your, on your yuck voice yeah. a little bit there. Yeah. yeah. It's Cape Cod's rock. One Oh three. No, still, still alive and kicking, doing it, uh, doing it out here on the Cape and awesome. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to listen because of it, but if you want to, we got a free app for your iPhone and Android, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Amazon Alexa, et cetera, et cetera. Get the plugs in any way you can, dude. Get yeah, no, I, I pre- I'm just happy to be here. I want, I'm happy to be able to catch up with you, Carrie. It was and, great uh, to see you. Yeah, I'm sorry. You well, we could dance, see you. you know, I, I could see you, but I know you're doing well and you're a dad and that's awesome. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So yeah, no, Brando, I'm, I'm good. Awesome. Thanks, Maddie. And obviously thank you, Carrie. And thanks everybody for the out. wedding. Oh yeah, you'll. I'll get you to DJ the wedding. I could. <laughs> I just got married myself, so I'm a newlywed too. So. Congratulations! Come on in. The water's fine, dude. It's Marvel all time. good. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, when am I gonna get married? When is Mistress Julia gonna? Uh, Mrs. Julia, I had totally. Ah! I see. I went all, ev- all episode, all episode without making that mistake. Mistress Carrie, uh, when is she gonna interview uh, Wolfgang Van Halen? The same thing what uh, Axl Rose once said about Chinese democracy. When are you going to see it? When you see it. Well, soon is the word. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.